Then there's um, remembering an old film with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman back in the nineties, I think where they go out to the wild west and basically they gave you. That wasn't steak. the one where they're naked in a bath or am I thinking about something No, not, not the one we accidentally saw in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Join our Bitcoin Basics community in our new Telegram group at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. No ads, no altcoins, shitcoins, no other nonsense, only Bitcoin information, education and discussion at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics Podcast. Uh, we are your hosts, Ferris and Gordon. Today is the 15th of June, 2022. The price of Bitcoin is $22,100. The block height is $740,817. And Gordon's favorite one is Satoshis per dollar. So $1 will buy you 4,525 Satoshis. So, Gordon, price of Bitcoin's at twenty two thousand one hundred. Did we just go back in time a couple of years? I, I don't. I, I didn't know it was twenty two hundred. Actually, to be honest, um, yeah. Well, well, if people are looking at this in the future, they're like, "Wow, Bitcoin is like you know nine hundred thousand. That's pretty cheap." So, depends on your perspective. Exactly. And this is why I am very impressed with all our listeners, guys. So all you guys listening to us and all of our clients, no one is contacting us going, what's happened? Why is Bitcoin crashing? Because what has been our advice? We have always said buy Bitcoin only, buy as much as you can afford, um, preferably dollar cost average, buy a little every week. And we, I mean, I've heard some horror stories of people losing everything um, from Luna, from Celsius, I think is the latest one. And none of our clients have contacted us saying what's going on because what have we said? Buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin only, keep it in, get your keys off exchanges. So to all our listeners, well done. And um, yeah, anyone listening to the first time, this has been our message for how long now? Since 2018, I think Gordon podcast been going for over two years now. That's been our only message and that will continue to be our message Buy Bitcoin, get it up, your keys off exchanges. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. I've had a couple of friends, no customers, Ferris, but a couple of friends who have asked me, should I buy Bitcoin now? So I have not had a single Good. friend actually asking me to sell and what's going on. So that could be a significant yeah. shift in the market. Yeah. And at this price, um, this is a very, very good entry point. Um, if anyone's looking to get in, it's a really, really good entry point right now. But we're not here to talk about price. What are we no. doing today, Ferris? So today we've actually got a listener question. This one is from Vin. Um, and Gordon, I'll get you to play this question, please. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Hi, guys. Vin here. My question is about the risk of staking coins on an exchange versus sitting on an exchange. For example, if you're dollar cost averaging but only periodically transferring off to cold storage, those coins that are sitting on the exchange, if you were to stake them, or as some platforms are calling it now, earn, so that you're generating interest on those coins between when you transfer off, are they at any greater risk staked versus sitting on the exchange? Because the risk really is the liquidity of the exchange itself. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for that question, Vin. And for everyone listening, guys, uh, half of our podcast episodes are actually questions that come from our listeners, just like this. Uh, so with this one, um, we just want to clarify that Vin's actually talking about two separate things here. Uh, one is staking, which is um, a proof of stake coin, whereas Bitcoin is proof of work. Um, so you don't actually stake Bitcoins, you just buy Bitcoin or you can mine them. Uh, I'll get Gordon to talk about proof of stake. Um, and then the other issue there is leaving your Bitcoins on exchanges where you can actually earn interest, earn a yield. So I'll talk about that later. But for right now, Gordon, are you able to, or is anyone able to explain proof of staking um, simply and quickly? <laughs> no, is the answer to that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I made a couple of assumptions. And Ferris and I never talk about what we're going to um, discuss during the podcast. So um, I was going to mention a couple of assumptions. The number one assumption is that you're talking about Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin does not have a proof of stake. So you're probably talking about other coins. And uh, Bitcoin uses something called proof of work that we've talked about many a time to use electricity, real world energy to convert into and, and computing power to convert into Bitcoin and to secure the network. A lot of coins, including Ethereum, are moving to proof of stake. So you don't have this uh, energy and all this work going into something. You essentially stake your coins. You simply give your coin, not give your coins, but you um, deposit your coins into some sort of contract, like a smart contract. And then that earns interest over time. Um, So perhaps for us, a separate episode would be proof of stake versus proof of work which I won't go into now. So this, the, the first assumption is you're talking about non-Bitcoin stuff. You're talking about other crypto. Um, and the second thing you're talking about is a centralized exchange because things work differently on a decentralized exchange. So I'm not going to go through that rubber hole, but let's discuss that in a minute. So if Bitcoin doesn't have staking, then what is he talking about for us? What's this yield and interest? So what can happen is this is similar like the modern day banking. So banks basically work on the premise that someone will say deposit some money. So if I walk into a bank and I deposit a million dollars to earn interest and I'm earning, you know, say 3%, the bank will then turn around and give, say, Gordon a home loan and charge Gordon 5%. So that 2% interest is where the bank is making their money. Um, Bitcoin is now working on the same premise. You can actually use your Bitcoin as collateral to buy a house, which means someone needs to put up their Bitcoin. So I could go to, and I'll use the example, not an endorsement, I'm just using them because they're the big one, BlockFi, where if you could put one Bitcoin with BlockFi and they will actually pay you a yield. So at the moment, if you are holding Bitcoin, there's no cost in holding it. Uh, unlike gold or something else, you actually have to pay to store it somewhere. Um, but with Bitcoin, there's no cost in holding it. But at the same time, it's not returning a yield. You only make money when you sell. But with these um, uh, DeFi, so decentralized finance banking banks, you can basically put your Bitcoin there and they will pay you a yield to hold that Bitcoin. Um, so the question is, so with this, how do you withdraw your coin? So if you buy um, your Bitcoin on exchange, you can just withdraw it whenever you want. But if you are leaving your Bitcoin on exchange and they're paying you an interest, 
is that Bitcoin locked up for a period of time? Um, can you withdraw it whenever you want to? Um, and that is a question. And that I've had a look into it. It actually just depends on who your provider is. It depends on what they're doing with your coins. Are they keeping them on an exchange? Are they moving them into cold storage? Uh, so that's really what it comes down to. But you should you know, um, check the small writing. Now, these interest rates have actually gone down significantly. Um, so I'll give you an example. This is BlockFi. So with BlockFi, if you put anywhere between anywhere under 0.1 Bitcoin with them, they'll give you a 3% interest rate per year. Uh, the higher you go, the less that comes down. So um, whereas like there are some others out there, like DOT is giving you a 15% uh, return. So with these, uh, keep in mind, guys, that the thing with these ones is you are actually giving your Bitcoins to someone else. And this is not what we advocate here. We advocate just holding Bitcoin for the long term. Uh, for me, I'm not going to be risking that amount of Bitcoin for a 3% yield. That's just not worth the risk. Um, you know, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with BlockFi. I'm sure they'll still be around. They may still be around. They may not. Not an endorsement, not a criticism. I just don't know anything about them. Um, but that's a risk. Do I want to risk losing you know, 0.1 Bitcoin for a 3% return. To me, that just doesn't add up. It uh, definitely doesn't. And I was just going to mention our previous episode, 162, Bitcoin tax investing. We actually go into that as to why you mm. may not want to um, leave your uh, Bitcoin on a third party. And and that word staking, Ferris, I think at the moment, it sort of has a bit of a, um, not a, not a bad connotation, but it's basically a misnomer because... What people are thinking of staking is not actually staking. So true staking is something like a crypto coin where you actually lock up your coins and that could be done on the blockchain as a smart contract. And those coins are locked up for a period of time. Whereas other people are talking about BlockFi by, um, you know, basically loaning BlockFi your Bitcoin to earn some sort of interest, you know, to earn some yield. So those two things are completely different. And at the end of the day, and <laughs> Vince probably listening to this and go, just answer the bloody question, would you? Um, we're, we're just giving a background as to sort of the difference between staking and loaning. That's, you know, one's on-chain, one's off-chain, um, because they're actually quite different. And we're assuming you're also talking about a centralized exchange because the game actually changes when you're using decentralized exchanges. And Faris, I know, I know we're, we're not answering the question yet, but I think people will be interested into how exchanges work in terms of Bitcoin, because I think a lot of people think that, let's say you send your Bitcoin to an exchange, and let's use Binance as an example. You send your Bitcoin to Binance, and then you do trading, or you send your Bitcoin to another wallet or another friend or whatever within Binance, for example. Um, none of those transactions are actually on the blockchain. So let's say you send Bitcoin to Binance and you do trading with Ethereum, Bitcoin to Ethereum, Ethereum to Bitcoin, Bitcoin to whatever coin, but then you sell Bitcoin into USDT. All these things you think are on the blockchain, but they're not. They're in the database of Binance because a trading platform needs to be real-time and blockchain is not real-time. So um, when people talk about staking, that technically should be blockchain transactions of locking up your money. But loaning Binance or BlockFi or whatever, your Bitcoin, that is not staking. That is basically just giving your Bitcoin to their pool of whatever and they essentially do whatever with it. So 
Uh, that's a very long-winded way of saying we're getting around to the question of, is there really a difference? And the question was the risk um, of staking coins versus coins sitting on exchange. I think he's answered his own question because he said the risk is the liquidity of the exchange itself. And that's right. I, I don't I don't know about you, Ferris. I don't see a difference between staking coins and coins sitting on exchange in terms of risk. Exactly the same. I agree entirely, Gordon. I think the term staking actually comes from um, the old, the Wild Wild West. And there's, I'm remembering an old film with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman back in the 90s, I think, where they go out to the Wild West and basically they gave you- That wasn't stake. the one where they're naked in a bath? Or am I thinking about something No, not, not the one we accidentally saw in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this was- um, yeah, they give you a, you, it, the pioneers that go out to the Wild West, they gave you a metal stake, sorry, a, a timber stake with a number on it. And you see all these people on their horses and they say, go. And these people just go and there's parcels of land on a map and you find a parcel of land that you want and you put a stake in it, staking your claim. I think these all these other tokens, coins that came out, that's what it was referring to. You're putting your, you're putting your money up front, staking your claim in that coin. Um, obviously, that's not Bitcoin related. Bitcoin is proof of work, not proof of stake. So, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, there's no difference whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say you're using Binance, whether you stake coins on Binance, whether you use all the loaning platforms and all, they can call it whatever they want, but you are essentially loaning money to them. It's going to their big black hole. And if Binance goes bankrupt, you've lost your coins. Now, one interesting thing to look at is decentralized exchanges. So unlike a centralized exchange that has a database, it's not using the blockchain, only when you go in and out of the exchange, a decentralized exchange is actually on-chain transactions. So it's a lot more difficult on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a simpler protocol uh, that doesn't have all the bells and whistles of these other protocols. And that's that's an advantage for security, but it does mean it doesn't have a lot of this functionality like smart contracts. So stuff like decentralized exchanges is interesting because you are actually doing on-chain transactions. Um, And there are actually some Bitcoin uh, projects that we should probably reach out to for us that are trying to replicate a lot of these things that are happening sort of around Bitcoin, you know, beside it, above it, like layer two um, lightning network and whatnot, but to introduce stuff like smart contracts. So you should be able to do smart contracts and thing that Ethereum and all the other coins can do actually on Bitcoin. So that, that kind of stuff is exciting. Um, not so much exciting as real world use cases, but yeah. Yeah, no, the uh, Lightning Network is something that, yeah, we've spoken about and it is really taking off and we're starting to see, uh, actually in our next podcast, we're interviewing a couple in El Salvador who basically, um, gave up life in New Zealand and moved to El Salvador um, and are living off Bitcoin every day on the Lightning Network. And they've got their own YouTube channel. That, that'll be our next episode. I'm looking forward to interviewing them. But yeah, seeing Bitcoin out in the wild, real world use case is really exciting right now. Awesome. And I, I made a mistake. The Lightning Network is essentially a, a network of smart contracts. So hmm. um, yeah, thought, okay. Bitcoin does have smart contracts. I wasn't going to correct you on a technical no, no, no. Technical and technically, uh, every time you send Bitcoin, it's a smart contract anyway, but uh, we won't yeah. get into that. Um, 
And I, I guess it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that, yeah, if you don't have, well, as far as mentioned already at the start of the show, if you don't have your Bitcoins in a non-custodial wallet, Bitcoins that you control, mm. um, you don't really have your Bitcoins. You say, I yeah. bought Bitcoin. Where are they? They're on Binance or I'm loading them to BlockFi or whatever. Mm. You don't have your Bitcoins. You're just renting them. You're so, renting, yeah. Uh, get your coins off exchanges. But I know Vin's question was perhaps a an investment one and he sort of understands the risk, but... I think yeah. he answered his own question. The risk is the liquidity of the exchange. They go bankrupt. You've lost your coins. Mm. And Vin, if we did not answer your question and just wasted 20 minutes of your life, please let us know. Ask another one. Can yeah. it be coinbasics.help slash ask? We have, we have answered about 40, maybe 45 questions so far, maybe even more, maybe 60 questions so far. Mm. And uh, we've answered 100% of them. So some of the questions are technical, non-technical, whatever. Go to bitcoinbasics.help slash ask and um, yeah, we'll answer on the show. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer, any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.